0: TED Audio Collective. Hi, I'm Adam Grant. I think about work a lot. That's why I wanted to tell you about Canva Docs, which will help you expertly craft your work communications. They have an AI text generator built in called MagicWrite, powered by OpenAI. You can generate any text you want job descriptions, marketing plans, sales proposals. Just start with a prompt, and you'll have a draft in seconds. Tweak your draft, and you're done. Try Canva Docs with an AI text generator built in at Canva.com. Designed for work. Got a business problem? There's a TED Talk for that. Stay updated on everything business on TED Business, a podcast hosted by Columbia Business School professor Modupe Akinola. Every week, she'll introduce you to leaders with unique insights on work, answering questions like, how do four-day work weeks work? Do will a machine ever take my job? Get some surprising answers on TED Business wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, worklifers, it's Adam Grant. We're coming back next week with a new batch of taken-for-granted interviews. We'll have a Nobel Prize winner, one of the world's most influential leaders, a daredevil who's mastered fear, and one of the most decorated Olympians ever. In the meantime, I'm excited to share my new TED Talk on overcoming languishing and finding flow. This talk was originally posted on TED Talks Daily, where you'll find a new idea every weekday. You can follow TED Talks Daily wherever you listen. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary workday until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. <laughs> That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at Canva.com. Designed for work. I know you all have long to-do lists, but I hate wasting time so much that I have a to-don't list. Don't scroll on social media, don't check my phone in bed, and don't turn on the TV unless I already know what I want to watch. But last year, I found myself breaking all of those rules. I was staying up way past midnight, doom-scrolling, playing endless games of online Scrabble, and binging entire seasons of TV shows that weren't even good. (laughs) The next morning, I'd wake up in a daze and swear, tonight, in bed by 10. But it kept happening, night after night, for weeks. What was I thinking? As an organizational psychologist, I have spent my whole career studying motivation. So it really bothers me when I can't explain my own behavior. I wasn't depressed. I still had hope. Wasn't burned out. Had energy. Wasn't lonely. I was with my family. I just felt a little bit aimless and a little bit joyless. Eventually, I remembered there's a name for that feeling. Languishing. Languishing is a sense of emptiness, stagnation, and ennui. It was coined by a sociologist, Corey Keyes, and immortalized by a philosopher, Mariah Carey. (laughs) When you're languishing, it just feels like you're muddling through your days, looking at your life through a foggy windshield. Strangely enough, what rescued me from that feeling was playing Mario Kart. But let's back up for a second. In the early days of COVID, a lot of us were struggling with fear, grief, and isolation. But as the pandemic dragged on with no end in sight, our acute anguish gave way to chronic languish. We were all living in Groundhog Day. It felt like the whole world was stagnating. So I wrote an article to put languishing on the map. I called it the neglected middle child of mental health, and I suggested it might be the dominant emotion of our time. And soon, it was everywhere. I was seeing it all over the media, being discussed by celebrities, by royalty. I've never seen people so excited to talk about their utter lack of excitement. And I think that naming languishing helped people make sense of some puzzling experiences. Why, even after getting vaccinated, people were having trouble looking forward to the rest of the year. Why, when National Treasure came on TV, my wife already knew all the words by heart. And why, I was staying up way too late, falling victim to what's known as revenge bedtime procrastination. We were looking for bliss in a blah day and purpose in a perpetual pandemic. But languishing is not unique to a pandemic. It's part of the human condition. Two decades of research show that languishing can disrupt your focus and dampen your motivation. It's also a risk factor for depression, because languishing often lurks below the surface. You might not notice when your drive is dwindling or your delight is dulling. You're indifferent to your own indifference, which means you don't seek help, and you might not even do anything to help yourself. Languishing isn't just hard to spot, though. In many cultures, it's hard to talk about, too. When people ask, how are you? You're expected to say, great, or "Living my best life. That's called toxic positivity. <laughs> it's the pressure that we face to be optimistic and upbeat at all times. If you say, you know, I'm just okay, then people might encourage you to look on the bright side or count your blessings, which isn't just annoying. It can actually be bad advice. People who are randomly assigned to count more blessings are actually, on average, less happy because you start to run out of things to be optimistic about. The harder it is to find good things about your life, the more you feel like, well, maybe maybe my life isn't that good. In the early days of the pandemic, researchers found that the best predictor of well-being was not optimism. It was flow. Flow is that feeling of being in the zone, coined by the psychologist Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi. It's that state of total absorption in an activity. For you, it might be cooking or running or gardening, where you lose track of time and you might even lose your sense of self. Flow is the appeal of a Netflix binge because you get transported into a different world and immersed in a story. But binging is a temporary escape from languishing, not a cure. At best, it leaves you with a bunch of asymmetric relationships. You might love hanging out with your friends Chandler, Arya, Dwight, Buffy, Buffy anyone? Joe Exotic? <laughs> Peppa Pig? but they don't know you exist. Binging is passive engagement in a fictional world. Peak flow depends on active participation in the real world, which is why I was so surprised to find my flow while driving a cartoon car in a Nintendo game. When the pandemic first started, all three of our kids were home in online school, and that lasted for a full year. It was not easy. But like many of you, we were isolated from extended family. My sister was halfway across the country. And one day, we were reminiscing about how much we loved playing Mario Kart as we were kids. And she said, well, we could all play together online now. Why don't we start a family game? And soon, we were playing every day with a video call running at the same time. And after a couple of weeks, I stopped feeling so blah. I was living zen in the art of Mario Kart. (laughs) And in the morning, our kids were waking up asking what time we would play. They were excited. And they loved it when I would gloat about an impending victory, only to be bombed by a flying blue shell and then just sit there watching all three of our kids drive past me to the finish line in tiny go-karts. We had so much fun that we started a new Saturday night tradition after the kids were asleep, adult Mario Kart. So after reflecting on that experience, I'm proud to present to you, for the first time, my Mario Kart theory of peak flow. It has three conditions, mastery, mindfulness, and mattering. Let's start with mastery. Mastery is something a lot of us have been having a hard time finding lately. Psychologists find that at work, the strongest factor in daily motivation and joy is a sense of progress. We find that our happiness depends in Western cultures more on how our projects are going today than how they went yesterday. That's why Nike says, just do it. I guess if, if Nike had been started in a more past-focused country like China, their slogan would be, just did it. <laughs> if languishing is stagnation, flow involves momentum. But mastery does not have to be a big accomplishment. It can be small wins. Small wins explain why I was drawn to online Scrabble for the rush of playing a seven-letter word. Small wins make sense of why so many people were thrilled to bake their first loaf of sourdough bread. And small wins explain why one engineer spent an entire afternoon mastering the art of stacking M&Ms on top of each other. That kind of mastery depends on a second condition for flow, mindfulness, focusing your full attention on a single task not something a lot of us are doing that much these days. There's evidence that on average, people are checking email 74 times a day, switching tasks every 10 minutes. And that creates what's been called time confetti, where we take what could be meaningful moments of our lives and we shred them into increasingly tiny, useless pieces. Time confetti is an enemy of both energy and of excellence. If we want to find flow, We need better boundaries. When I think about boundaries, I think of an experiment by organizational scholar Leslie Perlow. She went to a Fortune 500 company, and she tested a quiet time policy. No interruptions three mornings a week before noon. On average, engineers spiked in productivity. 47% of them were more productive than usual. But the best part is that when the company made quiet time official policy, they had 65% above average productivity. I don't think there's anything magical about Tuesday, Thursday, Friday before noon. The lesson here is that we need to treat uninterrupted blocks of time as treasures to guard. Now, mastery and mindfulness will get you to flow. But there's a third condition that turns it into a peak experience mattering, knowing that you make a difference to other people. Early in my career, I was studying fundraising callers who were trying to bring in alumni donations to a university. I wanted to study how to show them that their work mattered, so I designed a series of experiments. And over the next month, one group of callers, on average, more than doubled in weekly time on the phone and nearly tripled in weekly revenue. What moved the needle was randomly assigning them to meet one student whose scholarship had been funded by their work. Now, instead of focusing on the monotonous process of making calls, they were absorbed in a meaningful purpose of helping to fund tuition. So think about the people who would be worse off if your job didn't exist. Those are the people who make your work matter. You need to know their names, their faces, and their stories. And you can find flow in projects that benefit them. This all explains why Mario Kart was such a great experience for me. It gave me a feeling of mastery, The sweet satisfaction of a perfectly placed banana peel for my sister to slip on. (laughs) It required mindfulness, too. My brother in law was the best player. Beating him demanded total concentration, especially when my kids were ganging up with him against me. And it wasn't just a game, it mattered. Over the past year, we've all felt helpless in one way or another. I felt helpless to fix COVID. I couldn't even do that much to make online school better, and I'm a teacher. But in Mario Kart, I felt helpful. I was able to give my kids something to look forward to when we couldn't go anywhere. I was able to keep my family close when we were far apart. We normally think of Flow as an individual experience, but playing Nintendo, we were all immersed together. And although we don't play daily anymore, I feel closer to my sister and my brother-in-law than I ever have before. I learned that love is not the frequency of communication. It's the depth of connection. I also realized that the antidote to languishing does not have to be something productive. It can be something joyful. Our peak moments of flow are having fun with the people we love, which is now a daily task on my to-do list. So what's your version of Mario Kart? Where do you find mastery and mindfulness with the people who matter to you? I think we need to rethink our understanding of mental health and well-being. Not depressed doesn't mean you're not struggling. Not burned out doesn't mean you're fired up. When someone says, how are you? It's okay to say, honestly, I'm languishing. Or if you can only muster one syllable, meh. (laughs) And when you're ready, you can start finding the flow that lights a path out of the void. Thank you.